I was aware of him as sort of quite a uh, extraordinary figure, but I didn't know the scripts very well um, of the Goon Show. And um, my colleague Nick Newman said to me, these, these are really, really funny. And I went back and he was right, which is strange because normally, obviously, he's, he's wrong about everything. We then um, put together this show about this amazing period in the 1950s. There's one and there's the other. Now, don't let me catch you wearing my boots again. There is no doubt he was a difficult man to deal with and, and a lot of the play is, um, is focusing on, on the relationship he had with the BBC. Are you listening to a word I'm saying? No, sir! Oh, it's been a, a joyous couple of years putting it, putting it together. Writing this play was a huge pleasure, uh, and we wanted to write a feel-good play. Most plays about comedians or writers are, oh, he was really miserable, really, um, and here's some miserable stuff about how miserable he was. And we thought, we don't really want to do that. Um, we wanted to write a play about how brilliant he was. The important thing is we want people to come out of the theatre with a warm glow, because, you know, it'll save on your heating bills. <laughs>
of uh, or two about the royal family, which we thought wasn't particularly it was nothing too bad at all. But we just thought any joke related it probably was not the right time to do it. So Ian and Nick did a very quick little rewrite, which we managed to work in. It didn't have to change very much. Um, so yes, it affected the play in that way. Um, but I think ever since, I, I, I think it's been fine. Yeah, I, I haven't. I, I don't think I've noticed any 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 particular change now. Mm -hmm. spare, spare, a, spare a thought for your colleagues who are appearing in Wicked at the moment. Have you heard about this? No, no. Um, and I hope I've got this right. And, and no, no disrespect meant at all. But um, I was reading on Twitter that uh, obviously Wicked, I think, is is it on on in the West End at the moment? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and I think the same as as with with you guys. They on the Thursday that the Queen's death was announced, they held uh, held a minute silence or a couple mm. of minutes silence and played the national anthem. But the problem is with Wicked. So I believe from what I'm reading, the first lines in the play are, uh, "She's dead. She's dead." <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, actually, what we, it was, yeah, we did have a slight moment where we play some extracts from the goons uh, as the audience are kind of coming in and sitting down. So we thought, well, after the national anthem, we can't go straight into the show because that will be a bit weird. So we'll we'll have a little pause and then we'll carry on playing a few more bits of the goons, and then we'll come on and do the show. And uh, the first line after the national anthem was was Harry going. Aren't we all having fun? Which is slightly weird. And I think a joke about Wally saying he was at death's door. Uh, Harry going, well, why didn't you knock? So, uh, so uh, yeah, we all went, oh, okay, maybe we could, we could have judged what clip we were going to actually play a bit. Of. So uh, well, we I mean, that I'm didn't happen on the second night. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the most overt reference to the Queen on the Goon Show. And I, I guess it must be from the episode The Starlings where... Peter Sellers does play yes. a very thinly veiled uh, yes. character and that's, based on the Queen. That's what we that's what we referenced in the script. That was uh, yeah, the Duchess Boyle de Spudswell. Um, yes, that's right. Was was referenced and, and and someone saying it's obviously the Queen. So we, we just decided to cut that bit. We just thought, even though the joke particularly wasn't disrespectful, we just thought you know it, it would take people out of it. We yeah. thought you know yeah. Sure. So um, so I think that's probably gone for the rest of the tour. But it's it, it's. I think it's better to be safe than sorry, really. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, so we'll obviously start talking about the talk about the play in a moment. But in terms mm. of yourself, before you actually landed this role playing Spike Milligan, had had Spike Milligan as a as a as a person as a as a comedian really figured in your life in any respect? In your was he in your consciousness in any large yes. way? Yeah, yeah, he absolutely was. Uh, I was a big fan. Um, uh, my dad, I think like a lot of people of, uh, I think we're roughly about the same age, I'm 45. But I think a lot mm. of people of our generation, it might be our parents who were the first big fans. But my dad and his brother uh, were absolutely huge Spike fans. I think it was, you know, like the defining, I think the, the Goons was like the defining comedy moment for them. It was like, I think my dad was born in 33. Okay. So I it was about kind of like late teens, early twenties when the goons started. So it was just kind of like this is it. My dad was uh, in, like Spike into jazz as well. It seemed to be this generation that kind of got jazz and got yes and got but this kind of free form comedy that was just like this is it. This is my thing. And you know, you're going to work the next day and find the person or school as for a lot of people who who got the joke with you, who listened to it, and you know that you were immediate. You know that was it. Your friends for life. You did you did the goons together. So um, my dad was a big fan, but I don't remember actually listening to the goons very much as a child. I don't know whether it was very accessible. He may have had one or two tapes, but 
he wasn't like playing them obsessively to us but I always remember Spike just kind of being there as part of my kind of comedy background um I loved watching any clips from Q that ever got put on and I remember I remember having a book of his limericks which I thought were hilarious when I was about kind of eight or nine Mm. um and his poems and so yeah anytime Spike was on you know we'd watch it or, or any kind of tributes to Spike or anything he was doing um so yeah and then being kind of getting more into kind of comedy and being you know a bit of a comedy nerd you just realized how everyone was saying how influential he was and you realized how much it infected all the stuff that you like like Monty Python and and um and and Vic and Bob and people like that so um yeah yeah, uh, yeah. so when so when the when the opportunity came up I kind of grabbed at it really it's doing it p- partly for me and partly for my dad who sadly passed away a couple of years ago but uh mm. kind of like in honor of my dad I thought I've got to do this job and kind of kind of do it try and do it to the best of my ability oh great okay and so so yeah. what, what 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 sort of comedy were you growing up with you know what what were you, were you, were you into Python were you into Vic and Bob yeah, I love love Python. My, my, uh, and what was great about my dad was he was kind of he kind of moved with the times as well. So uh, he'd had me fairly late. So he was kind of like in his, in his kind of when I was about ten, eleven. He was in his early fifties. Mm. But he loved alternative comedy as well. So it was, so we'd sit and watch the young ones together, which I know a lot of people's parents didn't like. But my dad would sit there rolling about in Alexi Sale. So yeah, the young the young ones was a huge influence on me when I was little and uh, bottom and oh yeah. But then, but then but where we but then when we parted ways was Vic and Bob. My dad just didn't get Vic and Bob, and then I absolutely <laughs> worshipped them. I just thought they were the the, the funniest thing, and uh, absolutely loved them. So they were my kind of comedy heroes, and and uh, and then that separate kind of offshoot and day to day and Chris Morris yes, and, yes. and that and that. So those were my kind of comedy touchstones, really. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, and Alan Partridge and, and and that. So that's kind of my generation. Yes, but then absolutely. Spike always bubbling away in the background, and then you, you always all of kind of you could see it kind of bubbling, bubbling through into in, into everything really. When you go back and listen to the goons and everything, you see, oh yes, there's that, there's that. He did that joke first, but you know, from this, he did it first. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Spike yeah. had a bit of a low opinion of quote alternative comedy in general. He did, he did, which is a shame. Which is a shame. I think, I think he. He did go a bit grumpy old man towards the end, didn't he? But um, <laughs> yeah, again, he's he's an older generation again from my from my dad. You know, he was born in nineteen eighteen, so yes, he, you know, it really wasn't it really wasn't for him that <laughs> that, that kind of comedy. But no. I think I think there's a lot in there. I think people saw it as all kind of swearing and farting, and, but there's so much absurdism in the young ones and stuff that yeah, I'd, I'd have thought Spike might have appreciated gotten that level if he did if he did given it the time. Yeah, but if you look, if you look at yeah. you look at all the best bits of Q, you think this is genius. But if yeah. you watch, it's like with Monty Python's Flying Circus. You watch, an, you know, you watch an average episode of Flying Circus, and maybe 40 percent of it is great, and then yeah. the rest of it is a bit. Mm. It can't. It can't all be gold. It can't. No. And, <laughs> no. and, 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 and certainly that's certainly true of Q. I've watched a few kind of full episodes for this, and there's some of it you go, okay, well that. I can see what you're trying to do there. It doesn't work, but I can see what you're trying to do. And then sometimes you can't see what they're trying to do at all. And then sometimes you say something very dodgy. And you yes. go, right. <laughs> yeah. And you have to kind of gloss over that and pretend you haven't <laughs> pretend you haven't heard it. Yeah. Absolutely. So um that Spike the play, yeah. it um it had its first run earlier this year at the Watermill Theatre. Um, yeah. And uh so you weren't involved with that and and uh, there was uh, John Daglish was playing Spike, and he's obviously um 
not 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 take up the role uh, now and, and you yeah. have so how did how did the whole how did it come about did you um, approach did I, somebody refer you or how did this come about yeah i i i'd worked with ian and nick in the past on a radio play called trial by laughter which then turned into a theater play but i wasn't involved with the theater show but i worked with them had a very nice time working with them i think they'd seen me in something on telly and enjoyed my performance so it got me in for that yeah and then I wasn't I didn't originally audition for the first run of this that just kind of happened um mm. I didn't see it either but I hear I, I hear it was very good uh and I kind of thought oh, oh I would have liked to have been seen for that but I assumed I was possibly too old he whispered he whispered I'm actually probably about pushing it to play Spike at the age he was I'm about 10 years older I think than he was at the time. so I thought yeah. oh, I'm too old for it it's fine yeah. but then and then I saw they announced that it was going on tour with with John doing it but then I think I'm not entirely sure what happened but I think John John had something else that clashed with it I think I think yes. he was all set to do it but then another job came up and clashed and same for uh, the original actor who played Peter Sellers in it mm -hmm. so um it came up that I, I, I assume Ian and Nick put my name forward for it and said we work with him we think he might be good um but I, I auditioned I did a zoom audition for uh, some of the producers and uh and Rob our, our assistant director um and then they, they rang me up the next day with an offer so uh, I said yes please okay uh, yeah I don't like I said I don't know how many people I were, were, up, were up against it with me but um but yeah I think I think because I've had that previous work connection with Ian, Ian and Nick I think that helped get me yeah. through the door Oh, I've lost you again. Uh, okay. Do you do you want to just pause it a second and maybe I can try and go somewhere and find some better Wi-Fi? Okay, sure. Okay, because we don't want to keep doing this, but I think my Wi-Fi keeps going, but I think if I go to another room, hopefully there's no one around. Okay. I'll take on a guided tour through, through Morgan <laughs> Festival Theatre. Go up the, stair, up the stairs. And I think if I go to our theatre green room... Ring, he won't mind. He's a nice boy. <laughs> right, okay. I seem to have full Wi-Fi now, so fingers crossed. Perfect. Perfect. This works. So I don't know if you want to pick up from anywhere or whether yes. you want to leave that for a bit of colour. But I've come into James Mack and Robert Mountford's dressing room. So okay. I may be in dressing room number one, but the Wi-Fi's rubbish. Right. So uh, they get better Wi-Fi. So I'm in I'm in their room. I'm gonna try on their clothes while we talk. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> At least you're not in Margaret's dressing room enjoying on that. <laughs> no, no, I nearly went in there. I thought, no, that's going too far. That's going too far. <laughs> um, yeah, I was saying before, uh, yeah, so you've not, you, you said you've not done too much theatre. No, I haven't. No, uh, I get, not really through choice. It's just how your career kind of pans out, really. I've done more TV and, and, and film than theatre. I haven't done a play for about six or seven years. And I hadn't done a part this big in a play, certainly not professionally. So I think they, they've taken a bit of a punt on me, which I'm, I'm eternally grateful for. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I, I hope I'm rising to the challenge of doing it. But um, yeah, that was part of the reason for taking the job. I just thought oh, the parts like this don't come along very often. So I had to kind of grab it, really. Sure. And, and, yeah. and, and so what did you do in terms of, um, without wanting to sound pretentious, but finding the character? How did you find Spike? How do I find him with his eyes? It's hard, it's hard to talk without sounding pretentious, isn't it? In our job. <laughs> um, I, so I try to watch any kind of as much archive from the time of him being himself, not a character, which is, which is not that much. There's a lot of him when he's older, 
Yes. You know, he was every, every it seemed every other week he was on Carpenter or or or, or Terry Wogan. Um, but that's the kind of different spike. I wanted to find a young spike. And there are a few archive interviews. There's um there's a great one. Oh, he's talking to I can't remember. He, he launches into a whole routine about the first the first British man in space when he's meant to be just giving an interview, but he can't help himself. He goes off and starts <laughs> acting out this whole scene for like basically the whole of the interview. So even then, he's on. I, I like things to be done quickly. Well, I like the idea, you know. I like just to think of the idea. I think, well, that's it. I put it out of the way. How can I uh, put it? Um, uh, uh, for instance, uh, let me say, uh, um, a rocket. Uh, let us suppose that there's um, a rocket. Uh, first English astronaut, that's right. First English astronaut is going to be fired into space. This is about 1980. And the, the British government have bought on the HP an American second-hand rocket. And they've drawn lots to who goes in it. And uh, it's a Captain Martin Thrust who goes in. And he, it's morning, it's dawn, you see, on Wandsworth Flats. And this rocket's there. And uh, um, the BBC are there. And it says, a wonderful day here. And the, um, as I stand here, I can see the great iron gantry being pulled back from the rocket with its three-stage uh, missiles in place. And any moment now, the, um, uh, the cord which contacts him to the ground will be shed, and he will have no contact with the ground except by radio or telephonic communication. Uh, I believe the countdown has started, so we ought to go to the ground control, which is under the aegis of the American National Command over here. So, yeah, the ground control here. Uh, the countdown is starting now, and uh, in, uh, in, uh, from the three minutes to one now, starting at a countdown now. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, uh, what's that term? Uh, one, zero. There's a strange interview where he's talking to Robert Robinson, and he's and he's on. It's a it's a normal interview, but he seems to be on a floating chair, which nobody nobody discusses. It's the chair kind of moves up and around, and Robert Robinson follows him around while they're talking, but nobody mentions the fact, which is a lovely little spike touch. There's an interview from the I want to say the mid seventies. Um, I haven't watched it for a long time. Face your image, I think it. Is. Oh yes, I watched a bit of that. Yes, as well as that, is that with Dimbleby. Yes, where he's kind of he's very serious. It is, yeah. And there's mm. the, there's the, there's him and he does a psychiatrist chair one as well, which is quite kind of serious. So those yes. were all helpful, and uh, and then I watched some of his early TV stuff and listened to a lot of the goons and read uh, a biography or two. Yeah, and. I, th I suppose what I'm trying to do on stage is not do an impression of him. He's got quite a distinctive voice, which I've tried to capture a bit of, but I, I don't know if I could sustain it for the whole play. Plus, mm. the play is kind of like our version of Spike. It's not like, here was an exact copy of what Spike was like. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's a fictionalised version of Spike. So I've tried to capture more the kind of, hopefully, the kind of essence of him and his energy more than an exact painstaking re re recreation of exactly how he sounded because I think that would have just sure. drove me mad really and, and 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 kind of tightened me so I tried to capture the the kind of the energy the spikiness the uh, in both ways actually that's a good pun, pun. <laughs> it wasn't intended <laughs> but there's a, the spikiness and yeah the, the the manic energy when he's up and then what he's like when he crashes down and um and and try to capture the physicality of him as much as possible but yeah, but 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 not being kind of a slave to a kind of impersonation is what I'm trying what I'm trying to do. 
And that's yeah. possibly my that's possibly my excuse for people coming in. But we doesn't sound like him. Well, no, actually, it's an artistic interpretation. <laughs> so don't ask for your money back. <laughs> well, yeah, like, but you are right. His, he his, he would adopt slightly different voices depending on his mood. And, he, um, yeah, uh, no, he would. He would. And he was always putting on voices. You, you know, so and we and we do that in the play. You know, we have him putting on certain voices. And he was. It's when he's on and when he's off. When when what, the finding the moments of real real spike is actually quite difficult. I think. Apart from those later interviews, yeah, like you say, like in the psychiatrist's chair in there, when he's being quite open. I yes. wanted to track down that documentary he made about his depression, but I couldn't find it. I don't know. It didn't seem to be online that I could find. Oh, I, I would have yeah. liked to watch that. Maybe the BFI may have had it, but I haven't had time to go and to go and search that out. But that's what I really would have liked to watch. He made a documentary in the 70s, didn't he, about... Uh, I, being, uh, I yeah. may be able to source that for you and send you... Ah, send no, you I'd really like to see that. That would be, that'll be interesting. Um, I'll make a note to... I haven't got it myself, but I know someone who may have it, and, ah, I, can, okay. and I can get it like a file. Like someone on the dark web, <laughs> yeah. the, the dark goon web, <laughs> where copies of the melting pot change hands for upwards <laughs> of five pounds. But, you know. um, did you watch the melting pot, by the way, at all? Which is a terrible sitcom that he made. No, 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 no. I, I no, I did. I haven't watched Curry and Chips either. I couldn't okay. quite face it. Yeah, I didn't. I just kind of like. <laughs> we all know there's that side to him and I don't really want to go there <laughs> it's yeah. just kind of I'll just pretend not not pretend that doesn't I think you can accept that you have to accept that along with you know we, this, this is a, the play is set firmly in the goons time so we don't really cover that but um yeah, of course. just I don't know it's funny I I kind of I don't know where it comes from in Spike I don't feel like it comes from a, a place of full-blown racism I just I just think he thought it was funny to do the voices and 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 do which it isn't. <laughs> you've got to accept that it isn't. <laughs> but he thought that it was. So you've got to accept that kind of that that yeah. that was his take on it. But I, yeah. I don't think it comes from a place of, of you know kind of hatred or anything. Oh no no, just, and I no, I, I just think I he likes doing. I think he just likes doing an Indian voice. I just think well I can do it because I think it's funny. And like I'll do this I'll do this sketch about a Scottish policeman or whatever, but I'll do it in blackface because I think that's funny. But you know that you can question that judgment. But I don't know. It's yeah, it's interesting where it comes from as a as a kind of comic instinct. But yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, yeah, I'm just a couple of years older than you, and um, I grew up on a diet of British comedy. Although now, through modern eyes, through contemporary eyes you watch yeah. things certain things like that and you you yeah you kind of cringe and you, you yeah go oh but 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 i remember uh, you, you I, I just think back to when i was 14 or 15 which was 30 plus years ago and it's like mm. watching things like that then and things like even like the goodies where they would sometimes do blackface and things like that yeah. at the time yeah. it just kind of just i wouldn't say go went over my head but i just didn't yeah register that it was that there was anything particularly yeah, wrong yeah. with it and it's the whole thing I, I hate the whole thing of like oh well spike would be cancelled if he tried to do that now it'd be cancelled and it's like well he wouldn't do that now <laughs> he'd be part of this generation who don't do things like, exactly. like that and nobody would let him do it so so it's kind <laughs> of I, I hate the whole kind of fake cancel culture argument nonsense that, that kind of people tie themselves in knots over it's just kind of yeah oh this face anyway let's move away from that let's move away from that yes 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 uh yeah so i just watched i mean it's a great research period really just watching lots of funny clips of spike and and listening to lots of the goons and reacquainting myself with the goons which like i say i always kind of knew but i didn't really know if you know if you know what i mean i knew i knew the characters and i knew 
I mean, there, there was a period, I think, during lockdown, right? I always seemed to be in my car. I was doing something on a particular time when Radio 4 Extra were playing The Goons. So I would, I, I, just a couple of years ago, I started listening to it again, mm. thinking this is just, this is just brilliant. It's just brilliant. And I can, I see why everyone is obsessed with it because it's just glorious. Yeah. Well, when yeah. I first spoke to Nick, uh, Nick Newman, who obviously mm. co-wrote this with Ian Hislop, one of the things I think he said from memory, because we're, God, it's nearly nine months ago. Good God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he said that he was surprised. I mean, he was obviously, was, he'd grown up listening to the goons. I think he was, he grew up in Singapore, something like that. Okay. And he grew up exposed to stuff like the goons. But he said, I think he said he wasn't, he hadn't realized quite how cutting and satirical and topical mm. they had been. And he cited the episode 1985, which was based on 1984, which had been televised by the BBC literally, I think, three weeks before the goons did their version. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, if you listen to the uncut goon shows, you know, the ones that weren't released as LPs and had all yeah. topical references removed, there's a hell of a lot of satire. And, yeah. and, and I would argue that, you know, forget Beyond the Fringe, I would say the goons were the fathers of British satire. Really. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why Ian and Nick have kind of quite taken to it because they're they're you know the satirist supreme. So yes, yeah, and we do, and we and the the, the show kind of without giving too much away climaxes with 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 1985. Yeah, uh, and we, we and we do parts of it on on stage. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I was blown away when I listened to it actually as well. I thought it was just fantastic. Yeah, the idea the idea that he rustled it up a couple of weeks after it had been on. I have pleasure in presenting those glamorous grandmothers. The three Beverly sisters. Correction, the Beverly twins. Miss Beverly will sing everybody down. I mean, the work ethic is just is just incredible that they were doing these every week. I just find it, you know, you get you do one and then start again on on Monday and start writing the next one. I just think it's it's just yeah. incredible, really. Yeah. Sadly, I haven't seen the play yet because of geographical <laughs> reasons. <laughs> I'm hoping to see uh, to see you when you are in Blackpool. Because that's ah, fantastic. Probably the closest that to me. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm based in the northwest, and I, but I, you know, I, I kind of have a, a an idea as as to as to what the play is about. Obviously, but I, I don't yeah. know the the finer details. You know, do you have many scenes where you're having to sort of channel some dark emotions, or is it is it fairly light most of the time? It's over overall, it's fairly light. I think Ian and Nick like to describe it as a celebration. Think they wanted to i didn't think they wanted to go down too far down the route of the bbc4 i think someone described I think, or maybe it was margaret i think described it as crying and wanking <laughs> genre right. of, of that's right of like, i think it was margaret on this on your yep. on your on your on your show probably <laughs> so I, i'll steal that from margaret um i don't think they wanted to go too far down that road but it doesn't avoid the the, the struggles that he had we do we do show him in St. Luke's in the, men, in the mental hospital that he was in for a while, we do show him go uh, break down. So, because um, that's that's part of the story. It's an essential part of the story, I think. So, they, and, we, and we don't sugarcoat Spike either. We show that he could be quite difficult to work with and he was, uh, could be a right pain in the ass sometimes. So we celebrate the work, but, but try and give a kind of fairly, fairly uh, truthful portrait of, of, of him as a man, I think. Sure. And the effect it had on his marriage as well. That's all, that's all in there, but also, with Spike and I think as it would have been with Spike in real life there's jokes even through you know all the all the kind of the, the doubt the dark bits or the sad bits you still got to have the jokes because you know that's what he would have been doing <laughs> sure 
in terms of the audiences that you've had in the last couple of weeks, have, yeah. have they tended to be more the older demographic or have you had, had lots of younger people coming? I think so. I think, I think, to be honest, I think it is the older demographic coming in because mm. they're aware. I, I'm surprised at the amount of people I've had to explain. Some people of my age have to explain you know, a spike to. If you're not particularly in the, in the world of appreciating comedy, you might not really know who he is, even, even yeah, even like people of, of our age who have got, oh, yeah, I vaguely heard of him. What did he do again? Oh, so I think that's kind of why. That's yeah. kind of why Ian and you know he's been dead maybe twenty years, isn't he? Been dead twenty years. So, yep. um, so I think that's partly why Ian and Nick wanted to get it out there to just go, look, look what he did, look. look. But I think I, I have seen younger people in, and I think people, I think there are parents coming in, come and see this, come and listen to this, and I think there are there are there are young fans of him out there. But yes, I I I, I don't think it'd be true to say we're full of. It's full of young kids getting their kicks from Spike for the first time. <laughs> I think I think it is an older demographic, and that's fine. It's not a festival. It's not all about, not all about the youth. It's not all about BBC Three. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now I know you weren't in the first run of of the play, but do, no. do you know? Have I get the impression? I get the feeling Ian and Nick may have added added or expanded or or tweaked the script. Yes, have yes. They? Yeah, yeah, I believe they have. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see, I haven't seen any draft but from the one I've got. But when, when all the uh, the returning cast members came to join us for rehearsal, they were like, "Oh, that's new. Oh, that's a new bit. Oh, I'll have to learn that." So right. I think it has been expanded, not not hugely, but I think extra bits have been added, and apparently it has made it has has kind of t- taken it up a notch. And and, and uh, I think they've just worked in some more spike jokes that they didn't get around to doing the first time. Right. I think there's some extra bits in there for 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 spike aficionados. That, uh, that that didn't make it in the first time. Okay. Now I just yeah. I wondered as well because I noticed that um, again. Apologies if if I'm completely wrong here, but I got the impression that his wife June didn't feature in the first run, but she does in this run. Is that no, it? I think uh, no. June was always in it, but I think they right. added Harry Seacombe's wife because uh, um, the cast uh, has expanded a bit more. So Myra Seacombe yeah. has appeared, uh, okay. played by the wonderful Tesni Kajuri in this in our production because. Because we're now on tour and it's a longer process, they were able to expand the cast out. So yes. we've got cast in playing some other characters, but they're also understudying uh, some of the larger roles because uh, you need that you need that protection when you're on tour. Whereas they, I don't think they basically they can't afford understudies at the Watermill Theatre. You know, so so <laughs> so, so yeah. we've got uh, we, so apart from me taking over as Spike and the fantastic uh, Patrick Warner taking over as Peter. We've got all of the original cast and then three new actors who are in playing playing various other roles and understudying us. And Peter Dukes uh, was able to go on last week because uh, as Peter Sellers, because uh, Paddy, our, our Peter, was getting married. Uh, so congratulations to Paddy. He got married last weekend and Peter Dukes stepped in and gave a fantastic performance as Peter Sellers. That's so already great. we've had the understudies come on and it's, uh, and it's uh, been an exciting, exciting last weekend. Yeah, so everyone in the cast is just on it and just the loveliest people to work with all the original cast have just been so welcoming to us new ones but uh yeah uh yeah patrick is great he can do all the voices um but he's kind of finding something different in peter the man and uh and and jez has got this amazing infectious harry seekham laugh that just kind of barrels through these scenes with harry is this this kind of warm effervescent presence bubbling through the whole the whole play in between peter and Spike's kind of slightly more antagonistic relationship. 
so uh, so um yeah it's a, it's a wonderful lovely warm performance from jeremy and uh and uh and a, and a brilliant performance from patrick uh, as peter yeah they're just we're having a lovely time doing it yeah I, I would argue that even though he really only did the one voice which was an extension <laughs> of his own i would argue that playing harry seekin is possibly the, the biggest challenge maybe because yeah that voice and that giggle and and um Yes, and the singing as well. Yeah, singing. and you mm. know, J J Jeremy's a, a, a trained singer, so he can he can he can belt it out. He's got the voice, and he's got the he's got the energy. And that's that's a, that's been a big rediscovery for me actually listening to the shows because I think we our generation is like oh Harry Seacombe, the bloke off Highway, yeah, <laughs> and and, uh, and Oliver. And I think he's always been a bit kind of dismissed as, well, there are two geniuses in the Goons, and then there's Harry Seacombe. Just, he, he just <laughs> but when you listen to the shows, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant and it, it's got that energy that just drives it along the, you know it would it, it wouldn't work without without harry there being being very funny but also being a brilliant straight man and and you can hear the joy of performance in his voice which uh which you know you can hear you can hear you know peter, peter i mean sellers is just incredible just mm. incredible to listen to but but it's 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 just so kind of perfect uh, even when he corpses, you know, even when he you know, even when he goes, it's kind of he never really loses it. But when you hear Harry laugh, and 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 the, <laughs> and the way that it just brings, just kind of, yeah, and there it's a joy, yeah. What 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 what? What's happened to the band? Where's old Wally Stutzlotlin? Well, that's our new economy cut orchestra. Oh. Fourteen men playing one instrument. <laughs> Please, Mr. Greenslade. I get the laughs in this show. I wear the funny body now. <laughs> just, <laughs> just make the old posh announcement now. Take your glasses off, all that. Do you mind? Do you mind? Go on in here. Quiet, please. Right now, then, just hold this bow constrictor. Now. So yeah, so so Jay, so Jay does capture that beautifully in this. Um, just getting back to, you're talking about uh, Patrick doing all the voices. Yeah. Um, what about you? Do you, do you, you know, I, I'm assuming you do mini banners. Do you do echoes? Do you? Yeah, mini and echoes get an airing. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. So I just uh, again listened, listened a lot, and try to watch him do the voices as well to see what he does with his kind of body and his face while he while he does them. And um, I mean, that for me is is the fun part. I like I like doing silly voices, so uh, I try try to do them as, as much as I can. I don't. We don't get to do because um, I think he's a later introduction. Is one of my favourites. Is um, I don't even know the name of the character. Is he called Jim? He calls everyone Jim. Oh, Jim, Jim Spriggs. It's that. Yeah, yeah. So he's Jim Spriggs, but he calls everyone else Jim. And he's strangulated voice. And he That's sings. It. And he'd yeah. say a line and then sing it again. Spring an idea, Jim. Spring an idea. Which is one of my, one of my right. favorite. I just love it. I just love it. But um, unfortunately, we don't. I, I work him in a little bit in one of the scenes, but we don't get to do. Well, that's 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 curious because that's that voice Spike would you often in just normal conversation Spike would do a variation of that voice. Yeah, um, you hear it a lot, and he just yeah. does it all the time. That yeah. and he would do he would do the William Mate voice that Sellers would do. Yeah, the, I, do, I do, I do, I do, I, I've sneaked a bit of that in as well for once for one yeah. scene because I, I love that voice as well. Yeah, yeah, I've been watching you when you watch. Through Spike's career, you kind of go right. He's got a few set voices that he just likes to do. Yes. And one of them is, oh, hello, mate, that kind of voice. And then you've got the kind of, uh, hello, hello, I'm a policeman type voice. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, uh, and yeah, then, and, 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 and yeah, getting to know Minnie and Henry has just been, I love those scenes. 
Yeah. Scenes, there's endless scenes that go on of them trying to open doors and going up and down stairs. And, and, well, um, well, those scenes yeah. were very useful to Spike because they d didn't take a lot of thought in terms of writing. <laughs> yeah. Just, because I imagine it was just written. You can tell they're just imp improvising. A yes. lot of it is just them improvising. And, yeah. Um, and, and yeah. So I've come to it. I've come to the goons kind of fairly, fairly fresh and just been absolutely kind of bowled over, really, with just how, how funny that uh, just, yeah, coming at it from an actor's point of view, I just, the, the little character touches that are in there, I just, I just love, I just love that Minnie calls everyone buddy and it's never explained, but she just likes to call everyone well, buddy and, uh, or is it explained? I don't know. Minnie is, okay. Minnie is trying to stay hip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's she's yeah. trying to be the 1950s. She's trying to be down with the kids or whatever the 1950s <laughs> Equivalent and Henry doesn't like it. Henry well, doesn't no, like playing or laddie, naughty, rhythmic, jiving men. But the only thing, Minnie is full of contradictions because, well, we know that she's a loose woman. We know that she's, yes. had, yeah, she's, yeah. Had, she's had uh, dalliances in the past. She's also very influenced by what she reads in the Red Tops, you know, in <laughs> salacious newspapers. Like yes, the news they're all, they kill us in our beds. That type of stuff, that's it, yeah. that's it, yeah. 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 Um, she's a very complex character, whereas Henry is fairly one note, but they, they, they work well together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Um, and ha have you had any real challenges with this role in terms of anything that you really struggled to, to get over? Um, I don't know. The, the, the whole thing has been, has been challenging. And, and it's been trying to find the kind of, because Spike is constantly firing jokes at through the show. It's trying to find a way of kind of doing that, by, but also marrying it with him as a real person. So he's not just here he comes and does a joke, 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 joke. So I think that's been the kind of biggest challenge of kind of like where does where does the real spike end and the performing spike begin? Yes. And then there's been other challenges because the show is actually really quite technical. It's the, the, the scenes are some of the scenes are quite short and snappy, and there's lots of there's lots of we have some quite movementy sections, and I'm. Shelby, our movement advisor, will, will say I'm possibly not the greatest dancer in the world, but uh, I'll try. I'll try, goddammit. <laughs> so we've had like dancey bits and kind of a movement section, yeah, and uh, where we try and it's quite hard to show writers on, on, on stage and on screen. It's kind of like, ah, here's a man staring at a typewriter. So yeah. we've tried to do, yeah. uh, we've tried to tell that in a kind of more interesting way. So we have some more kind of and a f and funny way as well, you know. So we have some kind of movement bits that represent Spike's struggle with writing the script. So, so those aspects have been have been quite challenging as well. When I spoke to John Daglish, I think he said that he had to play the trumpet in one scene. Do you have to do that? I do, but I only had it. I didn't have that. I think I think John may have had a, a, a little bit of practice before. Was I have not played the trumpet so. What I I will be honest, I mine because I didn't okay. want to. I didn't I didn't want to just play the trumpet badly or have the risk of playing. So I do mine. But what I did do was try my best to figure out what what the fingering would be. And we we had our TAO, our music advisor, came and showed me you know, how to hold the trumpet, what to do with your fingers. So I have been practicing how to mime the trumpet, but I don't actually play the trumpet. I think it was a step too far. I just don't think I could have got good enough. Yeah. in the time scale that we that we had you, 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 it's just safer for everyone to have it <laughs> recorded here's spike the brilliant trumpeter and then me going <laughs> 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 so yeah we played it safe but yeah 
I, I heard that John did actually play the trumpet. I thought, oh, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, um, you're not a dedicated actor like Meryl Streep then, who learned Polish and German to play in um, Sophie's <sighs> Choice. Uh, no, I I think of very myself. I think of myself as very the Meryl Streep of uh, of the of the touring circuit. <laughs> uh, no, it was just a step too far. I think we all agreed that it would be we'd, we'd just, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And and Ian and Nick have, have they have they given you? Lots, I'm sure they have given you lots of guidance and and support and whatnot. They've been very they've been very kind of hands off actually. They've been lots of support, but they haven't they haven't. Uh, come in and said, "Oh, do it like this," or "We think you should do it like that." They've been, um, they've been just this kind of very kind of benign, friendly, supportive presence, really, who've come along and just said, "Yeah, love what you're doing. That's great. Carry on more of it." I, I, in fact, yeah, I think because of the timescale, in fact, we were doing it over the summer. I think Nick was away and Ian had lots of private eye stuff going on, so they weren't really there much in rehearsal. And I think they kind of came to the first night, and they seemed to be genuinely quite kind of genuinely really pleased and happy with with kind of what we'd done and how much it had kind of expanded since because we've had to broaden it out and we're playing to bigger houses now so yes. it's a bigger it's a bigger show than it was at the watermill mm-hmm. so i think they were i think they were surprised at how much it had kind of changed and they were just nothing but nothing but lovely after the, the first show in Cheltenham last week so i think i think they're pleased with it yeah they've been okay. they've been they've been lovely the whole way through yeah have you met jane Yes, yes, I did. I had the, the 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 pleasure of meeting Jane last week, mm. which was which was slightly surreal. Yeah, uh, you know, to just say hello. I've just been your dad for two hours. <laughs> I, hope you, I hope you enjoyed it. But again, she she was a joy, and I hadn't met her beforehand, mm. uh, which I think was probably right. I think it was probably right to just kind of do your own take on it, and then and then kind of show it to her and say, I hope you like this. Yes. Um, and I think, yeah, I think she'd had, you know, she'd gone through the, the ringer with it a bit because, like you say, we don't we don't stint on the on the dark side of it. So I think she she described it as as kind of entertainment stroke therapy session for for her. So um, yeah, it was lovely, really lovely to meet her. She's just she's just lovely, and she's you know she's so great with the legacy of her dad and and how to handle that in a way that's you know that's just open and, and joyous for everyone. Yes. Um, so um, yeah, so it was just yeah, it was lo- it was lovely meeting her. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had the pleasure of interviewing her um, several months ago for this, and ah, um, uh, I'll have to go back and listen to that one. Um, and she's—I mean, she was great. She was—I think she'd be the first to admit that she was a bit cautious when she first started speaking to me, because, as you will probably know as well, Spike can attract a lot of, uh, you know, very popular guy, very popular comedian. Um, yes, but can attract some. <laughs> nutcases and kooks i suppose as well <laughs> yeah yeah, um, yeah and she didn't know. yeah and and you know it's people that are very oh no, no that's unfair people who are very passionate you know yes and and, yeah, yeah. and i guess over the years jane has been exposed to people who've maybe been a bit sort of you know ott in terms of their their appreciation of spike yeah okay and so when she and i first started talking it, she was a little bit guarded and a little bit you know um conversation was slightly stilted but then when it became clear that you know I knew what I was talking about, or at least some of it, she um, yeah. she, she relaxed and it it, uh, it was great. And um, when she realised you weren't one of those mad people, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. When I wasn't going to ask her, uh, uh, so can you tell me why does Spike do? <laughs> yeah, you know. And I met you know I I touched the puppets at one point. I put my arm inside this piggy, which I was told off because it's sacred territory. You don't do that. Don't put your arm in the pig. I found on I found out I think 
that I didn't know this, but I think Spike's grandson worked on uh, the last episode of Gavin and Stacey we did as one of the as one of the kind of runners backstage, which I didn't know. I can't remember it. I don't know if I have his name to hand. But oh. Apparently, there's a little fact, a little intersection which I didn't I didn't actually know about. If that is true, and Spike's grandson is listening to this, uh, right. hello. <laughs> Listen, can I? Uh, I'm 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 guilty often of being too honest. Okay, and sometimes you know when people are interviewed take or, it. whatever whenever people are interviewed the interviewer will tend to be gushing about everything okay yeah. um, and i'm not going to be um, critical here but i'll just i'll just be honest about it i've never seen an episode of gavin and stacy um, right that's it i'm sorry i'm hanging up <laughs> the interview is over um <laughs> that's absolutely fine it is not it, you'd think from the levels of adoration it gets in the in the country that it's compulsory to watch gavin and stacy but it is not and that is fine tyler um, you don't have to have seen it but I tell you what, I did. Uh, I really enjoyed. It. And you, you were in Wolf Hall and um, and Peter yes. Lou, which I love. Peter Lou. Oh, good. I'm glad because I felt like not many people kind of got to see Peter Lou. That I think was it felt great. it felt a bit like, and I was really, really proud of it. I'm only a small, small part of it, but I thought it was such a, a overwhelming experience to watch. And I loved my little bit of time on it. I really wanted more people to kind of embrace it and watch it. So it's it's always nice when anyone mentions they like Peter Lee. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, are you working on, obviously you've got the play, but have you got any sort of um, anything booked for the next 12 months in terms of film commitments or TV or? Uh, no, no, this is it. This takes, this takes us up to December. And then um, as far as I know, nothing coming up after that, such as the way of the jobbing actor. I've got Absolutely. a few things that I filmed before this that haven't come out yet. So okay. I did uh, uh, an episode of Vera, which is quite different to Spike, the, the, the Brenda Blethyn, Geordie mm -hmm. uh, crime uh, extravaganza. And I did uh, a little bit in a show called Plebs and a bit in a show called uh, um, Miss Scarlet and the Duke, which was very good fun. as kind of like a Victorian detective romp. So I kind of did all those at the start of the year. Okay. And then, um, and then Spike, and then Spike has come up and has take, seems to be up to the second half of the year. And then we'll see what happens after that, yeah. And I would have seen you without realising it earlier this year or late last year when I was re-watching the film The Life and Death of Peter Sellers. You would, <laughs> you would. If you'd have maybe turned away slightly to drink your cup of tea, you may have missed. <laughs> it's really that much. I played Motorcycle Delivery Man. There you it was one of, my, one of my first early jobs. <laughs> and I deliver a motorbike. There's a scene where it's it's I think this is based on reality. There's a scene where one of Sellers' kids, it's something like their ninth birthday, and he sends them a motorbike, an actual motorbike. No, that which, makes sense. Uh, yeah. Which uh, which his Anne, I think, has to kind of sign for and looks utterly bemused that this present <laughs> has arrived. So I got a little scene with Emily Mortimer who played Anne Sellers. And but all I basically said was, sign here, love. Uh, but some of the cast watched it. Uh, I think uh, Paddy playing Peter watched watch the film, and I said, <laughs> "I didn't know you were in it. You 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 appeared delivering a motorbike." Yes, yeah, so that was my my crowning glory. Yes, sure. how dare you forget the pivotal role? Absolutely, I should. Could <laughs> you not have noticed that? I shall rewatch that this afternoon. Yeah, um, and which is an interesting it. film. I don't know if it quite. I, can't, I, I haven't watched it for since it came out. I don't know if it quite works, but mm. Um, mm. I, I feel like. When I read the script, I thought, oh, this is quite an interesting take they've got on it. But then when you watch it, I don't know if it quite works. I think it's, it's possibly like, the, um, it's the like, curse of prosthetics to me. I kind of felt like you don't need all the all the stuff to make him look like Peter Sellers. I just think 
I would have liked to have seen more of Jeffrey Rush's face. Yeah. I've been hiding behind all the prosthetics, but there we go. It's like Mark Kermode says he'd rather, uh, you know, you could agree or disagree with Mark Kermode on many things, but he said he'd yeah. rather that a film aimed high and missed, if you like, than, yes, than yeah. just tried to play it safe. And I think yeah. it, it was a it was quite a high concept uh, film yeah. in, in yeah. many ways with, yeah. with what it was trying to do. It didn't quite work, but no. um, but there was, you know, for people like me, there's a hell of a lot to enjoy. Yes, including yeah, uh, motorcycle delivery man. Including motorcycle delivery man. Yeah, I was I was because I'd, I'd I'd read the book of, of my own because I I went through a little kind of Peter Sellers obsession phase when I just realised when you start you know you start coming an, an actor and you just start realising just how good he is. Yes. Um. So I went through a, a, a real Sellers phase. Sarah Sellers. I'm Sarah. There you go then, dearie. Let's have a look. The seven-year-old Sarah, maybe one day I'll teach you to ride it, love daddy. Just sign here, Mabel. Go and have a look, love. Um, but so, Robert, listen, thank you so much for, for your time today. Um, thank you very much. Um, I better do a quick plug. Come and see us on tour. We're going all over Guildford, Aylesbury, Blackpool, uh, Glasgow, we're everywhere. So um, get on to spiketheplay.co.uk and uh, come and see us. Sorry, there's a, there's a blatant plug. I thought I'd Oh, no, I was, about to, I was about to give you that. I was about to. Ah, to, okay. Well, to, I just lived in there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but by the time, so this episode will, by the time this episode goes out, which will be in a couple of weeks, three or four weeks, um, it will be just, I think you're, you'll, you'll be playing Darlington. Okay. Okay. Lovely. Okay. So, uh, so uh, book now, folks. Um, Robert, listen, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for for sparing your time because I know that you're very, very busy. And um, you know, all the best with uh, the rest of the the tour. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tyler. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Bye bye. Thanks again, to Robert. Next time, it's I'm All Right, Jack, with comedian Meryl O'Rourke. And until then, as the nights draw in and it gets chillier, remain upbeat and give thanks for bankers' bonuses. And I'll see you the same time next week. <laughs>